This podcast was created to record and share stories from the many rural women who have birthed, to allow them to voice their experience and learn from them. I want rural women who are pregnant, planning to get pregnant, or entering their postpartum period to feel supported and know that, although care may be via distance, there are options. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced on you and country. We acknowledge the innate birthing wisdoms and traditions held by the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, the traditional custodians of this land. We remember the first women of this nation, the custodians of land and birth, who birthed on country in culture and tradition. Here, as we share in stories, stories of birth, preconception, pregnancy and postpartum experiences from remote, rural and outer regional communities. May we remember and stand for the cultural significance of birth, women's business and birthing on country. May we nurture and support women through this rite of passage as we hear of possibilities ignited and limitations created. May we share in the power of storytelling and memory as we listen and learn from these birth stories. And may we always remember the ancestral wisdoms belonging to the country these birth stories occur on today. lives in a coastal town called Badala on the south coast of New South Wales. She's a mum of four boys and has baby number five on the way. Leah has birthed in Maruya and Queenbeyan hospitals and for her final pregnancy she is planning a home birth, enlisting the services of a known midwife through the nest of Maruya. She met her partner in Mount Isa in Queensland but moved home for her first pregnancy to the south coast of New South Wales in order to be near her mum to birth. Her partner continued to work up north but travelled back down for the birth of their first son. Travel was a factor for Leah's first three births, but she wasn't the one travelling the thousands of kilometres this time. Instead, this trek was her partner's as he continued to work fly-in, fly-out in rural Queensland. Women who also have fly-in, fly-out partners will understand the significance of this in early motherhood. And so after some discussion and family negotiation, Leah and her family relocated. They moved before birth number four to the Queenbeyan area as her partner found a local job. 
Leah shares her previous positive birthing experiences. Every birth was different. She shares her experiences in using different birthing positions, her experience of induction, preterm birth due to membrane rupture, and water birth. Leah appreciates the care and facilities at both Queanbeyan and Maruya hospitals, but also expresses an innate desire within herself to seek something different for her upcoming fifth birth. Thanks to Instagram, Leah has connected with doulas and embraced this birth as an opportunity to rebirth herself. She has worked directly over Zoom with birth mentor and doula Rip Snorter to delve inside herself and discover her wants and needs for both her pregnancy, birth and postpartum. Leah shares how she didn't do this same work prior to her other births and that birth just more so happened to her. She feels strongly about activating this space for herself this time. She knows that this commitment to self and deep inner work is honouring her rite of passage. She's both opening into and planning to honour and close this birthing stage of her life through things like closing the bones. I hope you enjoy hearing Leah's previous birth stories and plans for her upcoming home birth. My name is Leah and I live in Bedella, New South Wales and I have a partner and four little boys. So my partner's name's Adrian. My eldest is Felix. He's seven and a half. My second is Hunter. He's five, six in September. Mm -hmm. uh, my third is Tex and he is five in October. And my youngest is Elvis and he's just turned three in May. Yeah. Awesome. Big life. <laughs> Poor boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you always lived rurally or did you used to live in the city and kind of leave the urban life behind and move I out to the have Yes and no. As a child, I traveled around a bit with my dad's work mm -hmm. um, and we've lived overseas and we've lived in Wollongong, which was probably our biggest type of city as a kid. Yeah. Well, uh, Malaysia was the biggest city, but, um, and then as a young adult, I went back to Wollongong for uni, mm -hmm. did some soul searching, was in Sydney and Canberra. And then moving on, I eventually met Adrian up towards Mount Isa and that's where in Queensland. we met. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. So we've, I've moved around a bit. And I met him in Mount Isa and he's always been a rural kid, always been yeah. a country boy. And then we moved around a little bit. Uh, we went to um, Melbourne, to Queanbeyan, yeah. but also in Maruya. Also and we lived in... <laughs> so have you been in Bedalla for all your births or when you gave birth were you living closer to Maruya? For, for, so I, um, my parents, I, I moved down here when I was 15 and moved away and my parents stayed. And then I moved, I just came back to have babies around them, I suppose. And yeah. I've lived in Bedalla 
for, I mean, there's only Maruya Hospital here or Bega Hospital. That's So whether yeah. you live in Batemans Bay or um, Naruma or Bemagui, you kind of have to choose, you know, you get a bit of a choice of the two hospitals. Um, and so my first three were all Maruya Hospital. Yeah. Um, and living within this area. And then my fourth Elvis was um, Queen Bien. Yeah. which is still classified as a rural hospital. Yeah. Even, even though it's kind of city. So I yeah. suppose you get all the... It's bung got that kind of outer and regional. And stuff. Yeah, and they, yeah. yeah, they get us from Braidwood but, as well. Yeah, that's so right. So I Braidwood's think, similar where we go in, do you want to go to the Maria one? Do you want to go to yeah. Queenbian? Do you want to go to Goulburn? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. There's I'm many saying, I'm not directions. Going, I'm not going down that mountain to have a baby. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I guess such bad car sickness. But yeah, so yeah. um yeah, they've all been born in rural hospitals, but mm-hmm. we are also pregnant with our fifth, but this baby will um be a home birth here in Badala with the home birthing team from Maria. Yeah. And when yeah. I first spoke to you, you mentioned that like as this was your fifth and probably final birth, you were gonna give yourself the time and to have this rite of passage. Could you kind of yeah. share a little bit about what that means to you and um, how you came to make that choice to gift yourself this? So I randomly saw one of like a lady that I follow on Instagram, Amy from Rip Snorter. Mm-hmm. Um, she was taking on new people. I just thought I've, and I was only very early pregnant. I thought, I'm going to jump on board with that. I'm going to get on board with that. And we had some sessions and some conversations. And then I just said to her, I think I'm going to, I want a home birth. I just, something had drawn me to that. I want a home birth, especially with the current world climate. Yep. I thought to myself, I don't want to be at a hospital and not have my support team there. Hmm. Um, especially my mom and stuff. And so I thought I'm just going to do the home birth thing. And um, so I engaged with the the nest. It's like a little private midwifery clinic in Maria mm-hmm. to see if I can jump on board who the lady that I've chosen is actually one of my mom's uh, friends. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And she's been there for a couple of the boys' birth, well, Texas birth. So that was, that's pretty cool. So I already know her and there's already that connection. And then the more sessions I came, had with Amy, the more we went down the, the conversation about how birthing is a massive rite of passage. It's an initiation into womanhood. And I said to her, she asked me a question like, what, what is it that you want out of this? And I just said, I felt looking back, even though I had lovely births, like a, not traumatic yeah. at all, I said I felt like it was really unconscious and quite mechanical, almost like a little factory. You know, you just go in, you have your baby, you don't even really think about your pregnancy. I didn't think about birth. I didn't have any plan. I didn't I didn't really do anything to do with that. And I said to her, I feel like I really want, perhaps maybe it's because I know that this will be my last baby. Yeah. Um, I said I really wanted something more connected and more conscious. Um, and that's when she opened up the discussion about the rite of passage and, and the initiation. And 
that, um, that portal between death and life when you're giving birth, like the death of the mother, the rebirth of the mother, but also the birth of the child and how the portals are both basically the same thing. Yeah. And so the more I spoke about it, the more I thought about it, it just became so apparent that this is exactly what I needed to do for mm. me to feel like I had really um, been initiated into womanhood. Yeah. Not that I feel like a girl or anything, but yeah, um, a, a conscious and connected and intentional birth and pregnancy, which yeah. we would have done before industrialized birth. Mm-hmm. or hospitalized birth not that there's it like like i said there's nothing wrong with all of those but for me personally that's where i'm at with myself in my life at the moment yeah i fell in love with that idea when you messaged it through that you were going to gift yourself that conscious experience this time um yeah oh yeah like consciously going into as well like this is likely my final child um and everything that you know that you deserve and you were also talking about closing rituals as well like closing the bones Um, a closing of the bones that's what my midwife has offered that as a service of the closing of the bones so i'll also do that and i suppose i've gifted myself lots of little things because i am privileged enough to be able to do that um, I've also got it like a nutritionist and um, Amy and my birth team, which all, I suppose, because we're so far removed from how women would have birthed previously. Um, and obviously it has its pros and its cons, but that team of women around them, like your elders around you, sh- making sure that you're doing all the things that a woman needs to do when pregnant yeah. and birthing, I've had to hire those people which is totally okay. So Ange and her team will do a closing of the bone ceremony. I think it's six weeks after baby. Mm -hmm. And that'll be it. I'm sure the work that I'm doing with Amy will also include some type of like closing of the birth portal is how they they kind of describe it. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure what it will entail because I'm not 100%... I'm not 100% knowledgeable on all of that. Mm. But um, as I move through this pregnancy, I'm sure all the discussions would be opened. Yeah. And that's really cool that it kind of sparked from something on Instagram. Like, yeah, I I do think Instagram's really um, very healthy as long as you're following the right people, in a sense. Yeah. yeah. Follow people that fill your cup. And so uh, there was something that you maybe didn't 100% know that you were looking for that you found. Um, Going back then, for your first birth um, or pregnancy and prenatal care journey, what services did you tap into that were available in your area? I, well, I did the antenatal little two-day course on like what to expect, which, um, I did with my mum, my, my partner was still working in Mount Isa at that stage. So he okay. was barely even around, I, I suppose, for that pregnancy. So I did all the stuff with my mum. Yeah. And so we went to doing a, like, like fly in, fly out kind yeah. of stuff and would pop yeah. back down to Maria. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because we had only kind of just met three months prior to falling pregnant. Mm-hmm. So it was all very kind of like... Um, 
yeah, probably just two different people having a pregnancy. Not yeah. much of a, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I was pregnant with his baby. So it was that type of relationship. Yeah. Um, and so I did a lot of the stuff with my mum. So we went to the antenatal courses. We went to the antenatal course and that's all I really did mm-hmm. um, in terms of birth prep. Plus yeah. I had lots of conversations with my mum. My mum is a very active and fast birther and she's like, mm-hmm. this is what I did. You know, just, you know, you just got to get it done. Like, yeah. Just- that's really <laughs> useful that you had a relationship like that that you were able to yeah. tap into and have that yeah. kind of mother-daughter connection into yeah. birth oh, and pregnancy. Yeah, my mum's yeah, been awesome in that regard. We'll just And her type of personality is just straight to the point, you know. Like yeah. there's none of this, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to step on your toes and upset you and tell you what you're doing. Like she'll just say, this is what I did. This is what worked for me. You can take it or leave it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's... Yeah. And so That's we did the too that she doesn't need you to fully accept her story. Uh, it's like, no, nah, nah, this is just mine. Care. And I get that it's a drop in the <laughs> pond, but it's okay. If you yeah. have your own experience, take what's useful. Leave yeah. It behind. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we went to the, I said, I don't really want to go. And she's like, well, even if you just take one little bit of information from it, yeah. it's going to help you. Like, because I, I must've only, I, I think I had Felix when I was only, tw- when I was 26. <laughs> Yep. Um, and we did. Okay. We did um, the antenatal course, and then that's and it's my midwife appointments, I suppose. And then, because I have quite small babies, um, I had to have a couple of extra growth scans at the end of all my pregnancies. Even though I just have small babies, but and is that something that was able to be facilitated around Maria? Yeah, in Maria. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're really. I mean, it's a still. I mean, if my child had to go into intensive care, they'd have to be flown away. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I haven't had to have that. So what it's are still the a very services small like Ooh, at Maria? Oh, the the team's really quite lovely. I mean, obviously, you're not going to get along with everybody. Um, yeah. And I suppose like a lot of medical systems, a little bit old fashioned in some regards. Yeah. But back when I was having Felix, I didn't know any different. So it wasn't an issue. And I just listened to the midwife. GP shared care. Like where you got a GP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do that. Yeah, you can do GP shared care. But I think after so I was on different types of medication for mental illness prior to falling pregnant with Felix. So I did a lot of work with my GP and um, my team that I had for that. Yeah. So it was kind of like my GP wanted to keep tabs on me just to make sure that I was going okay just due to my past life. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I did uh, lots of, lots of appointments with my GP touching in, making sure my mental health was stable. Um, but, and my midwife's just your standard textbook midwife's appointments, I suppose. Yeah. So it's your not obstetrician. like one, one midwife or like a midwife. No. Thing. It's anyone oh. who's there. But it's such a small hospital that you kind of get to know to them. Get the, yeah. You get to know them anyway, you know, and it's such a small town that, like I said, uh, when I had my second baby, uh, uh, one of the midwives knew my parents growing up. Like it was, it's, do you know what I mean? It's like a very small yeah. town. 
where everyone kind of knows everyone. Yeah. Um, so I had that with Felix. And, and um, what was the birthing suite like? Like what do they have available uh, to you there? Definitely not, you? not state of the art, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, they're not, they can't do, um, they can't do water births or anything. They're not set up for that. Yeah. So it's, I think there's only two, maybe is it two main birthing suites? And then there's like a maternity ward with beds. Yeah. Um, so you do, you'll, you tend to birth in a suite and then if the hospital's like in full flight, you'll get shuffled. Like you don't just get to stay in that suite until you're ready to leave. You'll yeah. end up moving on to a, a, maybe a shared room or a normal room. I thankfully yeah. had uh, private health insurance back then. Okay. So, and because I had that, they're like, well, we don't, the hospital will just take whatever they can from that. Mm -hmm. They don't, they're not picky. And yeah. because I had that, but once everything kind of settled down at the hospital, I got my own room type thing. Yeah. But you still, you still get, you still can be shuffled around. No guarantees. Yeah. No guarantees. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Which is, that's a small, small hospital thing, I suppose. Yeah. And during your pregnancy, being in a kind of long distance relationship from where your maternity unit was located and that you were staying with your mum, did you also tra tra travel no. while pregnant? No. Yeah. No, cool. I didn't travel. I just stayed in Badala. <laughs> that would have been a big trip. Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that was just me and my mum because my dad still works overseas and, well, he was back then and he still is now. But so it's yeah. just me and my mum at her, their place, massive property, beautiful garden. Mm. So I just was tinkering around there. And so when you went into labour um, with your first birth, were you able to um, stay at home for a while? Like what was it oh, like? I, oh, my mum. Well, I'm still 25 minutes from the hospital in Badala. Yeah. And lots of the conversations that I've had, had with my mum was like, just stay home, just stay home. Even my midwives are like, you just have to stay home for as long as you can. There's no point coming up here. If you've only just started labor, unless you're really anxious and you're freaking out, like yeah. if you can stay home, we recommend that you stay home for as long as you can. Mm -hmm. And so my mum was the same. And I think I started getting little twinges really early in the morning, but I just thought it was Braxton yeah. Hicks. Like I was like, nah. And had you experienced um, Braxton Hicks kind of in the lead up or would that have been like Yeah, yeah, a little bit. A little yeah. bit, like just the tightenings. Yeah. Um and then I woke my mum up because it was really early and she's like, just go back to bed. It's nothing to worry about. Go back to bed, Leah. Don't worry. It'll happen yeah. when it's happening. <laughs> like just go and get some sleep. Um and then I slept until because I was up and down just thinking, is this labor or is this not? I slept, I ended up sleeping until maybe 10 o'clock in yeah. the morning. And then I woke up and I did the whole scrubbing the bathroom, like scrubbing the shit out of everything, really? just cleaning. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and my mum, my mum looked, my mum rang my dad and looked at Ada and said, she'll have a baby today. Look at her go. <laughs> just, just stay out of the way. And, that, and I was cooking cakes and I was baking and I was doing all sorts of stuff. Wowza. What was that yeah. like? Like, did you feel like, oh yeah, I know this is a sign that I might be in labor oh, or yeah. was it as just the impetus mom... was in you and you were like, I know I have to do this stuff. <laughs> I just got to, I don't, there's no <laughs> reasoning for this. 
Like who needs to make a devil's food cake while you're in labor? Like just about to have a baby. Like anyway, yeah. good cake. But that choice. was my thing. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. It was perfect for recovery. Yeah. Um. So yeah, my mum was like, "Oh, here she goes." Like just she's getting ready, Adrian. I'm just letting you know because I was like, yeah. she walked in and I was on my hands and knees scrubbing the ground in our little because I was living at her place and they had a loft and they had a room up the top where we stayed and there was a little bathroom down the bottom. Yeah. That so was kind of like our own little pad. Um, yeah. So I think, and then I started to have contractions probably uh, around lunchtime, 12 o'clock, maybe okay. around that time. Just very mild. And I was like, nah, it's nothing. And how many and weeks were you? Um, full term. So maybe 40 plus five or something. Yeah. Plus four. Um. And it's all really a blur. And my mum, yeah, my mum's like, oh, Adrian, get, get your stopwatch out. You should probably start timing these. Because she's saying she's fine, but I think that she's actually closer progressing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, closer to more progress than she thinks she's going on. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, like, I'm all good. And then I progressed like that for maybe just a couple of hours. And then... They started to get like more crampy. Like, and, and I mean, I don't have a heavy period. I don't get period pain, like nothing. So when people are like, it's just like having a bad period. I was like, well, I don't really have them. So don't know I had nothing like, to compare yeah. it to. I had no exact, uh, yeah. Like, so, and then it just started to feel like that cramping and I could really start to, I could feel them. Like they felt real as opposed yeah. to just, just tinges, you know? And then I rang the hospital, maybe that was about four o'clock. I rang a bit early and I said, hey, listen, just thought I'd let you know I'm in labour. Um, yeah, did you want me to come up? What do, what do I do? And they're like, well, you sound like you're, we won't see you till tomorrow, Leah. You sound like you're, you've just started. Okay. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. All right. They're like, just stay there. If you're comfortable and you feel safe, just stay home. So I did. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they just started to get really close together. I just kept saying to my partner, nah, I'm cool. I'm cool. We don't need to go. And Adrian and my mum are like, we're 25 minutes from the hospital, 25 minutes from the hospital. Um, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm cool. The, the midwife's think like I'm not even that far along. Yeah. And then I went to the toilet and I wiped and I was like, oh, there's a whole heap of blood, mum. <laughs> and she's like, I think we should probably go. And I was like, are yeah. you sure? I like I don't know and she's like I think we need to go yeah um and I was like no oh, okay so we moosled on yeah and started and I just jumped and she's like let's get some towels for the car because you know you just never know Leah so we did that and in the car on the ride to the hospital from my mum's place like that's that it was unbearable like just that sitting okay. down like I could barely and I was and it just they just came so quickly like, yeah. gone from feeling like manageable yeah it's like oh shivers like yeah I think I'm in full set labor mum and she's like yeah duh yeah and so we got to the hospital and I was like oh these are really bad and I had to wait for because the contractions were really quite close I had to wait in the car to like I'm like I can't walk in like this like crippled over yeah so I waited in between them and I walked in and ding-donged on the bell because, you know, it was that, that when I had Felix, 
you had to ring in. There was no yeah. kind of, um, you couldn't just walk in and out. Yeah. Certain times of the day, you know, you can't, you, they, they close at certain times of the day sometimes, I think. And I got in there and I was like, oh, I think we're in labor. I'm about to have a baby. And they're like, didn't you only just call us? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, we thought we weren't see you till tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Let's, and they kind of just took their time. They're like the, no real sense of urgency. And then yeah. I, once I got there, I think it all kind of settled for a smidge. Mm-hmm. I got there at maybe four o'clock or five o'clock. Um, and it all kind of settled down and they did an examination. They're like, Oh wow. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. You're really quite dilated. <laughs> and I was like, they're like, it didn't sound like that on the phone. It didn't sound like that when you rang us just before. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay. And so um, I just moved around the room, did my thing. And then I just felt this throbbing pain through my legs. Like I, like I was, I couldn't move them. They felt heavy. And I was like, I just was like, I'm going to die. I feel like I'm going to die. My, I, like there's so much pain. Like that was what was yeah. hurting the most. Like this throbbing this through your legs. That's really, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, what the hell? And there was this massive pressure. And they're like, it's cause you're about to give birth. And I was like, no, it's just, I just, it doesn't feel right. And they're like, oh, we tried different positions. And then I was, um, by that stage, I think I was fully, almost fully dilated, but my waters hadn't ruptured. Okay. And the midwife said to me, I can give you an option like, um, like we can rupture your waters, but you'll probably have a baby straight away if you're prepared for that type of contraction. And I was like, just get rid of this, just get rid of this pain. If you think that's what's going to happen, just, and so I laid down on my back and she ruptured my waters and within an instant, like my legs just felt so like, I felt good. Like I was like, oh wow, that's what it was. Like it was this, the membranes that was, causing like that 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 pain yeah um and then like she said after that it was maybe five really big contractions and by that stage I was in that transitional period where I was like I don't I can't do this I'm gonna die what the hell and they try and make (laughs) you breathe and hush and I had the oxygen on I didn't have any pain relief or anything I just they just put some oxygen in the breathing thing because yeah at, at the hospital I was at, you actually, they don't offer you any pain relief or assistance. You have to ask for it, which I didn't know. Okay. And I was like, you know, like they, that's the way they do it. Like very minimal type of intervention, intervention. I suppose. Um, also, it's not obstetrician run. Like the, there's no obstetrician on the floor all the time. It's just the midwives. Okay. Uh, they call in the obstetrician. Do you know what I mean? Like if they need yeah. him, they will call him in. Yeah. Um, so I had some oxygen just for breathing and I was like, what the hell is this? This is not pain relief. <laughs> and they turned on the gas a little bit and I was like, Oh, that's a little bit better. But then it kind of, it spins you out a smidge if you inhale too much. And I felt really yeah. out of control. And then, but, but yeah. And then my midwife was like, it's because you're about to give birth, blah, blah, blah. And I just was like, well, I've got to push. And I was on my back. Yeah, I was pushing on my back, which was really weird. Um, And yeah, I just did my contractions and I just pushed, 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 pushed. And then there was a 
period there where I was like, oh my God, I'm really dying now. And um, my midwife was like, okay, the head's in a funny position. It's crowned. It's in a funny position. You can't, you, you can't stop now because it'll be become, it might become unsafe. So I was like, oh fuck, I better really just get on with the job. And I remember my little sister saying to me, you got to push down into your throat, like that whole, "Eh, eh." she's like, anything that's high pitched, anything that's high pitched is not going to get you anywhere. And my midwife said the same thing. She's like, you're putting all your energy into those shrills, Leah. You've got to bear down. And you don't really understand that until you're there in the moment, you know? Yeah. Like I've been told the same thing and um, it didn't make a difference. I still went up there. (laughs) I I knew in my head, (laughs) don't go high, go low. But then yeah, yeah, that reminder from a midwife is really useful. Okay. Um, And so I bared down and he, um, he just popped out. Like his little head just popped out. I didn't know it was a head, but yeah, his little head just popped out. And then they're like, oh, you've done it. You've done the hardest bit. Now just have a breath. And with the next contraction, the baby will just basically fall out, you know, like, and so that's what I did. (laughs) And then he was born and I was like in a state of shock. Because I suppose Mm. you don't really like, unless you consciously choose to make the effort to have an intentional birth, you kind of just do it. And it's all just a bit of a shock. Yeah. I was like, holy crap, did that just happen? Like, and it was raining, it was a massive storm and it was all oh, romantic wow. in that regard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's a, he is born on January, January 26th, which I know is a very controversial time to be born. Mm. Um, so the Hottest 100 was on at that stage because Triple J still had the Hottest 100 on yeah. whatever day, whichever day you want to call it. Um, and, yeah, he was born in a storm listening to the hottest 100 and I suppose all the rest kind of just yeah they asked did you want the the needle for the placenta type thing and I was like sure let's just I just felt like I wanted to be like cleaned up I was like I just want to I just want to feel cleaned up do you know what I mean yeah so and that's what I did and he didn't want to feed he didn't really want to do anything he was just plodding along and so I gave him to Adrian and I jumped in the shower and I got freshened up yeah and I yeah and I moved to the next room okay wow yeah yeah like it was well like like they let me stay there for a while like it felt like yeah 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 how many days did you stay in hospital after having given birth I stayed in the hospital I think it was four days Um, because they wanted to help with milk and also previous mental health. They wanted to make sure that um, they just advised, oh, maybe if we've got, if you can stay, you may as well stay type attitude. Yeah. Yeah. And they just like to make sure baby latches and is attached and feeding and your milk comes through. And so I stayed, yeah, I stayed that long. And um, after discharging from the hospital, what did your postpartum care kind of look like? Well. Did a midwife come out? Um, yeah, yeah. I had, I had community care. So the midwives came out, checked on him, checked his weight, did all that sort of stuff. But I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say when you have, 
a baby in the hospital, you get good postpartum care in a way that I see it now. Like, yeah, with what you're planning so, for your next birth. Yeah, yeah. So I had the postpartum care in before now was fine. But looking mm. back, I'm like, well, is it really the care that women need? And it's, it's really, really probably not. It's really quite inadequate. <laughs> Yeah. And, but it's only within their resources and what they can do, you know, like. Yeah. And it can also, like, we get that, but it's still like quite a culture shock because everyone yeah. wants to pod, prod and poke and look at every single part of yeah. you while you're pregnant. And, you know, you've been having weekly appointments and then yeah. suddenly it's like, bye. Yeah. And, but they, <laughs> they just normally check on, checking on baby mostly, but they Maria was, is pretty good and they, uh, they give you all the links to the services that if you're not coping, yeah. if you need help and all that type of jazz. But I just don't think, like you said, it, the, cult, the culture around birth nowadays is not what mums need. Yeah. So yeah. I'm looking back on all my births now after doing it, like preparing for this one, thinking, oh, shit there's so many things flawed and wrong mm. within the systemized way of birthing. And I think and it's that's not... totally fine to go. I was satisfied with my birth at the time, yeah. but now I actually hold a lot of issue with parts of it. Yeah. And well, that's just totally fine. Parts of this. I suppose it's parts of the system. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not your I birth. Was... It's what was yeah. on offer or not on offer. That's. And I'm just fortunate enough that my mum and my partner and my family are like the bee's knees. Like my auntie was around. My mum was, I was living with my mum and like they'd all bring me in food at the hospital because there's no way I'm eating hospital food. Yeah. So I had all these meals done and food prep. My mum was amazing. Adrian was again, shocked. We barely knew each other. Yeah. <laughs> Just, and living with my mom and also a child that literally just cried and cried and cried and cried. And I know it's meant to be normal, but the amount of crying he did, like I was, I lived on a medicine ball bouncing up and down for months and months and months and months. He didn't sleep more than 40 minutes, probably for the first year of his life. So he, would, he just cried all the time. Even yeah. my mum was like, oh, my God, this baby is so unsettled. Like, you know, whether he was in my arms, on the ground, in a pram, in a car moving, in a cot, like it didn't really matter. He was just unsettled. Yeah, that, that is so, really hard. It's good that you had your mum there. Um. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then I moved away to Mount Isa when he had, uh, when he was maybe eight weeks old, my yeah. mum and I had a discussion and she was said to me, you know, if you really want to make a go of having a family, you really have to be living together. Mm. So we made a decision and he wanted that. So I was like, well, I'll move to Mount Isa. We lived in Mount Isa for a year. Yeah. Um, a massive move away from the people that you know and your yes, family. Yes. Yes. What's it? yes? Okay. Um. So yeah, I ended up up there with not very much support. Were there mothers uh, groups that you're able to connect with? Like, did you find local? Yeah, they were. But when your kid just doesn't sleep and just screams, yeah. you don't want to go anywhere. 
Yeah, 40 minutes is like not very long. <laughs> you can't get yeah, anywhere that 40 in 40 minutes. minutes. That, and that 40 minutes, I'd literally be on the lounge pushing the pram backwards and forwards, just yeah, laying flat, you know. And then, oh, he, and then there was a small gap in the mornings where I'd walk to the shop to do some groceries and he'd, be, he'd have a sleep maybe for yeah. 40 minutes to get there. Like he'd probably cry all the way there and then the 40 minutes that were all there, he'd be asleep. And then he'd start crying and I was like, oh, shit, I better start moving home because it's just going to end in tears. And so in a lot of ways, moving away, I felt even more unsupported. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was what was done. No big deal. Life happens. <laughs> you know, like you kind of just got to do what you got to do. I suppose I get that from my mum too. And you fell pregnant again while in Mount Isa? Yes. Yep. Um, and then we moved, no, in Melbourne, we moved to Melbourne cause okay. my partner, my partner lost his little brother really tragically and instantly. And he just got, he was like, I'm bloody over life. I'm moving. I've got to get out of here. So I said, well, where do you want to move? And he's like, Victoria. I said, all right, well, let's do it. So he just, we just moved, relocated there for a year and he was flying in and out back to Mount Isa but all living in Victoria um and my brother was there but he wasn't he he wasn't in a he wasn't a dad and he, him and his wife didn't quite understand like you don't really understand parenting life until you are a parent so yeah um yeah or even though they were just around the corner, I still didn't have much support either in Melbourne. I was yeah. just up, like I just upped and went there. And I was there by myself most of the time. And I fell pregnant with Hunter in Victoria, in Melbourne. So you still gave birth in Maria again. Yes, because I said, to, like oh, going... I said to my partner, I'm done. I'm, I'm, we're going, I'm moving home. You can either move back with me or not. It doesn't bother me. I'm moving back yeah. to my mum. <laughs> And so how many weeks were you when you moved? Um, maybe it was 38. No, no, no. Sorry. 30 weeks. Okay. No, so you maybe had not, your prenatal yeah, care in Melbourne. In Melbourne. Then. Yeah. And it was just not the same. Hey, like it was just, I don't know. I found it a bit more stale. Yeah. Like, your I was like this is so weird. Yeah. This is so weird. Like, yeah. I was in the like the, the prenatal place and there was like, there's just women, so many people having babies. I was like, mm. wow, this is so bizarre. Anyway, so I, yeah, I just ended up moving back to my mum as always. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we were living there. And then um, my mum's like, listen, I really love having you here, but if you're going to be living here, I think you should start looking for, a house to live in before your baby comes type thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't, I, you can stay as long as you need if you can't find somewhere, but once you have this baby moving, it's just going to be harder. Yeah. So we, um, we Was got the hard as well to do late check-in to Maria hospital. Like nah, so you're nah, about nah, third trimester nah. and checking in. Yeah. No, that were cool. Cause they like, I was already on their records. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was fine to check in with him. And again, just had to have a couple of growth scans um, because he, all my boys are little. Um, so I had a couple of growth scans. All was good. 
and yeah yeah boys and did you find um a house for yeah we found a place to live and we moved and it was all good and, and then, has that brought you to Badala or are you still in Maria at this point? Uh, well, no, no, no. I'm, I, we moved, I moved out of my mum's place in Badala and went to oh, Bateman's yeah. Bay. Yeah. So I still had a travel time because you can't <laughs> birth at Bateman's Bay Hospital because they merged the two. Yeah. So all the resources were, all the money and the resources were in one centralised place. Mm-hmm. So again, my, my car ride was still 25 minutes. <laughs> Um, but I hadn't, yeah, no, 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 sorry. I'd gone, sorry. I've gotten ahead of myself. I hadn't quite moved into Bateman's Bay. I was still in Badala with my parents and my dad was home. Yeah. My dad was home visiting and I went into labor. I had a doctor's appointment for something and I was in the, with my doctor who'd known me for so long. Yeah. And I, she, she, she laughs about it now too. Um, I just kind of buckled in and I was like, oh, and Marie goes to me, oh, yeah. I think you need to go up to the hospital. You're in labor, love. I said, no, I'm not. I've got too much stuff to do. All these errands to run. I've got too much stuff to do. Yeah. So um, she's like, can you just, can you just go into your, can you just pop into the hospital once you're done? Blah, blah, blah. So I did, went to the hospital um, they didn't seem too concerned. So my contractions weren't that bad. They weren't even any, nothing registered for the hour that I was there. So I was like, it must have just been a hardcore Braxton Hicks. Yeah. So I went on with my day and it, it just progressed really like it wasn't really a day, it was maybe a few hours. And it just went from zero to not a whole, like quite substantial. And I was yeah. driving away from the hospital. And Adrian's like, I don't know if I feel comfortable with this. You're in labor, Leah. You're about to have a baby. And I'm like, no, I'm not. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, he's like, I don't know. Like, you seem really uncomfortable. You couldn't even come in to get the last of the groceries. And I was like, no, yeah. we're cool. So we drove away from the hospital. And we're halfway home. And I looked at him and I said, oh, I don't think we should have left. Hey, but we're halfway, we're already halfway home. Adrian, I may as well go get my bag, say goodbye to Felix, grab mum and, and go, and dad can have Felix. And we, you know, I may as well just do all those things. Like, what's the point? I'm almost yeah. home. And I remember when Adrian's like, Oh my God, Leah, why are you doing this to me? Don't you dare have that baby on the side of the road. <laughs> this is really quite an anxious man. And I got home to Badala. And I looked at mum and dad and I said, like I had a massive contraction. I was like, I think I need to go to the hospital. And mum's like, all right, how about we jump into our car and so your dad can bring Felix and him up when he's ready. Yeah. So my dad's like, so what's happening? And I'm like, <laughs> and dad's like, all right, see you later, dear. You know, <laughs> waves me good. He's he's had four kids of his own, and it, I've, and apparently I birthed just like my mum. Yeah. So he's like, all right, see ya. You know? <laughs> so we went in, and it was the same. Like my contractions were horrible for that half an hour almost to get to town. Yeah. I got there, and I was like, it was midwife handover, and I was like, listen, I'm about to have a baby. I need to have this baby. I've got so much pressure in my legs. I just need to break my waters. And they're like, 
no, 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 you're fine, you're okay. And I'm like, no, I, I'm about to have a baby. Like, and they're like, but no, I think perhaps I present well. Yeah, okay. Because I'm not flustered and I'm not hyperventilating. I'm not, yeah. like, I just go very inward, you know. And they're like, no, 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 you're fine. And I was like, please, please just break my waters. And they're like, but you're going to progress really fast if we break your waters. And I'm like, I just need them to be broken. Please just do it. And eventually they did. And when they did, I remember the midwife was going, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And it's because she felt his head. Like I didn't know yeah. it was going to be a boy, but she felt his head there up in the, like so, de- so far down. Yeah. And Hunter actually came out with scratches on his head from where she. Like he was so low down. Yeah. Mm. I mean, like, it was just like a little cat scratch, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was like, holy, she's, and I just remember she's like, oh, wow, wow, yeah, wow. Saying how dilated I already was, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then by that stage, I was like, I'm ready to push, let's go. So I don't even think I was at the hospital for 40 minutes before he was born. Oh, wow. (laughs) And so by that stage, my auntie also came in because she wanted to witness a birth and, yeah she loves that type of stuff so yes so she came in and um and then I gave birth to Hunter similar similar to just on all fours over the the bed like the bed head um and yeah it was a really like it's a bit blurry actually that that particular birth like I didn't have any major I just was I maybe knew what I was doing knew what what I wanted to do and I was like, I'm just going to start pushing. Like, um, and yeah, I had him and then rang my dad and my dad bought Felix and my fifth bought Felix in. Like Felix wasn't quite how old. Yeah. wasn't quite two yet. So he was 18 months okay. old and he bought him in. My dad was crying because he was looking at a newborn baby. <laughs> and he, he hadn't had that experience with any of us kids, you know, you know his own kids, yeah. like holding a, because he's always overseas working, never had the, like literally just an hour old tied baby in his arms, you know? Yeah. It was all very lovely and emotional. And um, yeah, his birth was kind of felt more breezy than that, my first. Mm-hmm. And did that kind of continue? Like, was your hospital stay shorter and was feeding easier the My, second time around? I ended up staying a couple of nights, a few nights, because I could, eh? Yes, yeah. Like, I, I could, so I stayed. Yeah. Um, and lots of people talk they, about that, that it's useful to use those days. Like, this is yeah. a new yeah, baby, and, and the, get to know them. Yeah, yeah. And the midwives really encourage staying if you can stay. Just so, you know, you've got that care 24-7 um, availability for feeding, yeah. for help. And also my afterbirth pains were really bad. Mm. And I know they just, they really do get really, really horrible from all babies you have. Um, so, yeah, my afterbirth pains are really horrible. So I had to have some more hardcore medication because I just couldn't get comfortable. Like I, I couldn't. I couldn't get comfortable when I was feeding. Yeah. Um, and I'm very pro modern medicine when it needs to have modern medicine. Yeah. So I just took what was available and it just made the experience better. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't, so, if I don't need to grin and bear it, I'm not going to grin and bear it. No. <laughs> so you when know? you got home, um, 
what was it like now that you've got your own space? Cause um, you know, very different to when you had your first that now you've got your own house in Batemans Bay um, to be able to settle into and have that space as a family. And my dad was due to go overseas. Um, so we went and stayed with them for yeah. a little, like a, a week or so, I think it was just so dad could have that time with the boys as much as he could and he can help out a bit more. Yeah. So um, I suppose this time round, I was really expecting the same with Felix, a really unsettled baby, a baby that cried 24 seven, nothing could make him happy. Um, and it just wasn't the case with Hunter. Yeah. Like he just wasn't like that at all. And my postpartum care was like, because I'd already had a baby, I think you don't, and because he was so relaxed and a chilled out baby, I just, I didn't, all I needed was the little, the checkups, I suppose, to make sure he was growing properly. Yeah. Um, and so my care was, you know, pretty standard for the, the care in, within the system. And again, my parents cooked and fed, fed me. Um, and then I'd have, I'd do the night shift with uh, Hunter and then I'd the same with Felix. I just kind of, you know, as the sun's coming up, that's when baby will have a bigger sleep. Yeah. So I'd wake up, I'd have something to eat. And once I put him down at maybe five or 6am, he would sleep for a nice solid four hours or whatever. And that's when I'd get a really nice solid chunk of sleep. Mm. So he, he was just such a different baby. And I suppose yeah. I expected... I expected that unsettledness like Felix, but it just wasn't the case. And he was what I call a textbook baby. Some people call it a unicorn baby. He yeah. was just, you know, he was just a dream. He'd wake, feed, burp, settle off to sleep. Yeah. It was just, it was such a different experience. And I suppose that made life pretty easy. Mm. Like I was tired but nowhere near that first round of sleep deprivation that I think that all first time mothers get. And then, then the babies that you have after that, it just doesn't feel that same. Like with Felix, I just felt sick all the time, like nauseously sick because I was so exhausted. Yeah. Plus he just didn't sleep. Um, <laughs> but I didn't get that at all really with Hunter. I got a bit like that, but not hardly at all. And yeah, he was just a little dream boat. Like he was a dream boat birth, dream boat baby. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it just made, yeah, he'd, and all through the day, all through the night, it was just that, you know, three to four hours rest, feed, um, you know, burp or whatever you had to do, settle and back to sleep. Then with your um, third pregnancy, you've already got two kids. Do you um, travel and bring wow. your kids to your prenatal appointments all together? Adrian was still flying in, fly out. Yeah. Um, and my auntie works at a daycare centre, so I ended up getting the boys in daycare two days a week. Yep. So I tried and plan life around that. Mm. And also I suppose I fell pregnant with Tex when I was only just three months postpartum. Yeah. So, yeah. He was, I'd only just kind of, I'd still had a newborn really. And yeah. I was already pregnant again. 
Yep. So that would be quite hard. Lucky Hunter was this textbook unicorn baby. Oh, he was just amazing. <laughs> um, but then again, when you have such a challenging firstborn, I think anything is going to look good. Yeah. So I took, I don't think I ever really had to take like, well, Hunter wasn't at care at that stage. Cause actually maybe he was, uh, maybe, yeah, he was because he went off the breast and just refused to drink. So we put him on the bottle. And so I think I put him into care when I fell pregnant and yeah, so I could go do everything by myself. Sometimes they'd come with me because it was just, you had just certain days, you know? Yeah. Um, Were you feeling like a also, bit of a birth expert by this time? Like increasingly confident of, being able to activate of, for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, just, I suppose third time around. And again, because I wasn't really consciously aware of what it is yeah. birthing and pregnancy is meant to be like or what so it's never really like writing a birth plan or anything. It was more go with no. the flow. This is that's just my personality, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and I, I guess I had my mum around as well a lot. So, um, yeah, I had I had mum around. So, Adrian was flying fly out still. I had the two boys at home and pregnant, and but I had my mum. So really. She's as good as any partner, probably better. Yeah, <laughs> and able to call you know? on her when you needed her. For things yeah, and like, she would come oh. up. Oh, I'd just go down and spend time with her. She'd come up to my place. Um, she'd have the boys or uh, that sort of thing. So it was really by this stage, third baby in such a small amount of time. I didn't even. I don't. I didn't feel depleted at the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, apparently you don't feel depleted until you're actually really depleted. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't yeah. feel like, yeah, I think I was just running on survival. And that's something that you've spent a lot of time talking and learning about with um, your team for your fifth pregnancy this time, yeah, to look into postnatal depletion and how that can help you achieve the home birth that you want to have because you've had preterm ruptures. It's just been a preterm rupture with no progression. So I had to um, and that go was into the induced. For number three and four. Two, three and four, yeah. 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 But I've kind of dug down the rabbit hole and I've, I'm working with a bunch of different pe- women that are like things that you can do to strengthen your membranes. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the postnatal depletion, the uh, B9 and chloine, clo- clo- okay. eggs, they're all things that strengthen your membranes. And wow. when you're depleted of that, it seems to, there's some correlation that it, it helps, it weakens your membranes. Like you're not as... So maybe because I had so many babies, four and four years, yeah, that type of thing. I think maybe that's that's possibly a contribution. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen that book, but it's like Doctor Oscar. Yeah. Sarah Latch. Well, yeah. that's and I'm like, well, oh, that makes ended, a lot of sense. Yeah, and that's that's what ended up. Well, I, I, a few years ago, after I had my fourth, I went and got a naturopath, 
Mm-hmm. And then I read that book and it was just a, like a combination. So the years following, that's when I've been doing lots of work on just yeah. replenishing myself because mm. you think you're just some kind of factory and you're really not, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, I've only had one kid so far, but I, you can already feel just that you're different. Like, yeah. You're yeah. depleted in all areas. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I now I'm, my partner's like, you spend so much money on pills. I'm like, I've just had many babies. Like I need to do this because you're not going to get it through food. You're not going to get it through food. There's not enough. You'll, you'd have to eat like 10 big oily fish to get the, the amount of DHA and stuff that you need for your brain. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. You just can't consume that much food. <laughs> yeah. So, um... And he says, I think in his book, that many women for the first 10 years of their kids' lives are still depleted. So you know, oh, my mum is 35 years on. And so, like, this is all stuff that you hadn't actually discovered yet for your earlier pregnancies, one, two, three, and four. I, I suppose I just, yeah, it all just happened on an unconscious level. Yeah. Three. And so back at Maria, um, yep. this time, though, you went into labour early. I went into labour. Well, no, I wouldn't say into labour. Oh, yeah, it was sorry. a preterm went, rupture of membranes. Yeah. So that was at 36 weeks I did that. Actually, just before 36 weeks. Yeah. Um, and, and does Maria have pre- a cutoff being a yes. rural unit? You yes. had to 36 make it to 36? Yeah. Yes. Before they will fly you to Canberra. Wow. So by this stage, I got in there. And I was like, well, I rang them. I said, well, so my water's ruptured in the morning and I was due for a play date with my friend Mm. for my son, for my eldest boy. And I thought, oh, my God, Felix is going to have a massive meltdown. My waters have broken. I'm going to go anyway. I'm just going to go to this play date because I'm like, what comes from it will come from it, you know? Yeah. Um, I just, and then (laughs) I was sitting in the bar and my friend's like, I think you should go. And I was like, yeah, I just had to have this play date. Felix has been looking forward to this for so long. Like, yeah. and the type of mode that I was in, I was like, maybe I'm going to progress. I may as well just move on well, with the day type yeah. thing. Some women Walk, go for bushwalks when they're in yeah, labor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I thought that. And then I looked at, I looked at Meg and I was like, I think I should go. Like I've got my, the, the membranes it's coming. It's like gushing out. And I had to go and put a nappy on. Like I had a, a yeah. nappy. Yeah. I put a nappy in my pants. And I also had, I packed all my stuff because I thought, oh, like I may as well pack my stuff. I just, who knows what's going to happen. Packed my stuff, packed my dog. Yeah. Had, my, had a little Shih Tzu Maldives back then. And then I couldn't get in contact with, and the reason I also went was because I couldn't get in contact with my mom. She was busy and I wanted mm. to know what she wanted to do. What I, And so... I had the play dates and then we parted ways about after about an hour and a half. I said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to my mom's because I don't know what's going on. So by this stage, I hadn't even told Adrian because he was somewhere Hmm. and I packed up the boys, got in the car, got to my mom's place and at where she was living at that stage, she used to have an open garden and it was open garden season. It just started, it's just kicked off. And she had a, yep. I think she had a photography group there or something. She had a group there <laughs> and I got there and I was like, mom, why haven't you used your phone? 
okay, my waters have broken. I think like they just keep gushing out. I've got a nappy on. I've got the dog. I've got my bags. I've got the two kids. And she's like, just I've got an upstairs. Garden. Get upstairs. She's like, I don't know. I can't deal with this right now. Just get upstairs. Like, <laughs> so I went up into her little loft because yeah. she had a bed and breakfast and open garden. So the main house was a bed and breakfast and she was up where we used to live in the loft. Yeah. So I went up there and she came up eventually. She's like, so what do you want to do? She goes, I think you should call the hospital. And I was like, okay. So I rang the hospital and the hospital's like, well, give yourself a bit. You might progress. Mm. You might do this. You might do that. And I was like, oh, okay. And the afternoon came and I, and then they were like, actually come in. You haven't, you haven't had much happening. You're, not quite 36 weeks, just come in. So I went in and they were like, oh, I had a checkup. Um, there was no progression. They're like, okay, you're on a really, you're in a really funny um, time because mm. if you we kind of need to send you to Canberra, but if we can wait, you will be able to have baby here. Yeah. And we, we really, because you've got the two kids and your partner's actually, no, you can't even get in contact with him because he was out at camp, at some camp further out of Mount Isa, you know, like he was yeah. on a job somewhere. I couldn't, I barely could even get in contact with Adrian to tell him, oh, I'm in the hospital and I won't be leaving until we have the baby. Mm. So they said to me, listen, we're going to keep you in and you'll be going home with the baby. Like you can't. I mean, obviously they can't hold you against your will, but they're like, we, we would like to keep you in just for monitoring and also for antibiotics. Yeah. Because they like to give you antibiotics, which also I was unaware of. Like I just kind of sitting tight, rang Adrian. I said, listen, my membranes are ruptured. I won't be coming. We won't, I won't be leaving the hospital until we have a baby. So I reckon you should probably get on the next flight that you can and come home. Yeah. Adrian's like, well, like he could, there was only this one flight. Like he couldn't, he, cause he was still, I think he was like five hours out of Mount Isa. So he yeah. actually had to drive. He had to drive from base camp to base camp, back to Mount Isa, get on a plane, go to Canberra. But then also <laughs> my nan had to pick him up from Canberra because he couldn't get a flight from Canberra to Maria. So my nan went and picked him up from Canberra and brought him home. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was a, and I suppose that's what, that's rural life, isn't it? Yeah, um, lots of so people I would get in, you with fly and fly out partners on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, he came on out and then um, I was kept in overnight and my my mum had the two big boys mm -hmm. um, and I was kept in overnight and they're like, so you still haven't progressed? No, no nothing, nothing. I said, yeah, I've got nothing, nothing's happening. And so they pushed me over to the 36 week mark. So I was 36 weeks Yeah. by the next day. And they're like, all right, now we can talk. Like we don't, we don't want to send you to Canberra um, because that would just be a bit of a pain in the bottom. Having yeah. young children here, a partner that works away. You just don't need that. <laughs> so I was like, but you're cool. in a third place. <laughs> oh, just put me in a heli like in the helicopter to take me or the paramedics to take me to Canberra yeah. to have a baby that could perfectly be fine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so we did that and um they induced me the next day 
at 10 o'clock and um, Adrian still wasn't there because I said, just do it. I'm done. Like I'm sick of, like, let's just get this, let's, let's just get this show on the road. Did they use Sintocin? So, yeah, since, yeah. Well, my membranes had already ruptured. So there was, yeah. they couldn't no do any other do method. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, they're like, it's just the less time we have examining you or putting things up there, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just gave me Sintocin, but it was very, very mild. I was very slow. And I was yeah. like to the women, I'm not feeling anything. Like, what the hell? What's the point of me being hooked up to this thing? Like, I told you, let's just get it done. And they're like, it's just better for you if you build up. Like, you're not just, yeah. and then you're not, like, then we can find your threshold that will induce you. And then you won't have, you won't get those really full on contractions hard and fast. You know what I mean? So they just did a really gentle way of induction, I suppose. Well, that's what it felt like because his, his contractions and stuff felt similar to the boys, maybe because other boys, I had nothing and then heaps. Mm -hmm. So it was that same feeling. So I didn't, I didn't feel like it was any different really, Mm. except I didn't trust my body as much as I did with the two other boys because I was like, I've been induced. This is artificial. This is a synthetic drug. Do I really need to push or is it just because apparently this is what happens when you get induced? So I was more like, I want an examination. Give me an examination. And the obstetrician was just messing about and he was just really slow. And then I was like, I want an examination because I feel like I need to push, but I don't want to be wasting my energy on pushing if I don't have to be pushing right now. Mm. So give me an examination. Um, yeah, but I've gone off track there. But yeah, nothing really happened until say eight o'clock. And that was when Adrian touched down in Canberra. Yeah. So I started to get little contractions and um, my... They just cut, started to come in my, nicely and stuff. And then when I, literally Adrian got in the door, that's when my contractions, <laughs> I started to get into active labor. And the midwife yeah. was like, we told you you were waiting for him. And I was like, fuck off with your shit. Like, I don't even want to hear that. Like, I'm, Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, stop. Yeah. I'm in labor. Stop talking. <laughs> Everyone stop talking. <laughs> and that's when I was demanding, I want an examination. I'm dying. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the obstetrician's like, well, in between your next contraction, I can give you an ob- uh, examination. And he, I was ready to go. And then he got sidetracked doing something. And I was, I, I'm never aggressive. Cause I think I was a bit aggressive. I'm never aggressive, but I was like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing? Like, I, you yep. should have just been standing there. It was five minutes. You had to wait two minutes and you couldn't even do that. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was so rude to you. I'm so sorry. I was so disrespectful. I'm so sorry. And then that's when Adrian looked at the midwife and was like, oh, she's going to give birth soon. She just apologizes to everybody when she's about to give birth. And it was true. Like the obstetrician was like, you're 10 centimeters. You can push. And I was like, oh, sweet. This is awesome. We've made it. And I had a, we've made it. Like I thought, yeah. So I... And I had my friend there, a good old school friend, Rainy, who's a, a photographer. And I asked her to come in and oh, photograph the birth. So she was there for the whole day and she was there for the birth. And it was really quite lovely. And then by the time I was ready to push, I'm like, I'm going to push. I'm going to start pushing everybody. And I think I was just in the squat position, maybe on the floor. Because I was moving around a lot with that yeah. discomfort. Um, 
and I did the whole, I'm going to die. I can't do this. You know, I think that is quite a universal transition um, yeah, transition for all women. They kind of do that same thing. Um, and I had a few puffs on the gas and this time I'm, I thought it was just going to be the gas, the oxygen to get some big deep breaths in, but it was actually the gas and I was like, shit. And I was all phasey and hazy in the head. And I was like, Oh, that's not what I wanted. And I threw that away. And I was just like, I just started to push and it was, yeah, much, it just kind of, yeah, he just kind of crowned and my mum's friend that is actually the, my midwife now was there. Um, and she was the only kind of a student when I had him. So she'd yeah. only just come into midwifery. So it was really cool. Yeah. And she's like, cause she has to be present at so many births to get a qualification type thing. Do you know what I mean? So she stayed and was present and helped out. Um, and so, yeah, I just pushed him out and I put him, I pulled him through my legs because I was on the ground on squatting or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've just pulled him up against my legs and I was like, Oh my God, it's another boy type thing. Yeah. And because he was, um, preemie, he's still classified as a premature baby. Mm -hmm. Um, at 36 weeks, he was teeny tiny, teeny tiny, but he, um, was perfectly fine. Didn't need anything for breathing. Didn't need any assistance. Um, except I was in the hospital for three days after. Um, and it was bloody busy. Like I was moved around quite a bit, mm. but I'm quite an empathetic person. And I thought far out, I don't, these are the mamas. It's not, it's not their problem that we're in such a small town and it was the peak of birthing season, you know, and there was quite yeah. a number of little babies born, maybe six or seven mm -hmm. in that small cluster. And they're like, Oh Leah, do you mind? Like we've got a lady that needs a little bit of assistance. And, and so I was like, no, 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 totally fine. Like, don't even worry. They're like, we know you're under private health insurance and you, you know, you should be able to stay here and you're paying to be here. And I was like, God, like I'd, I'd like, I'll just, you know, so they, they're like, it's no rush. You don't have to rush yourself out of here, but it would be really mm -hmm. lovely if we could use this room for her. And I was like, yeah, totally. I'd get that. Like I'd, I'd want somebody to give up their room for a, yeah. a more comfortable birth. Do you know what I mean? Cause there's only the couple of birthing suites. So yeah, I just took our time and birth center and all that sort of thing, had a bit of a, a cleanup and then, um, yeah, went into another little room, which I was sharing. I'm sure I was sharing with another lady. No, 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 no one was next to me, but it could okay. possibly somebody would come in. Um, and I just kind of laid in that bed in there for a little while waiting mm. until I could get my family room back, which was, which was that same night, but yeah, may, maybe six or seven hours later, which is like, and they kept coming in. They're like, Oh, not long now. And I was just like, stop stressing out. Like it doesn't really matter. Like it's better that she has a comfortable place to birth privately yeah. as opposed to, being in a shared room to birth because that's all you can do. Mm. Um, but it would be, be worrying if there was more than two people laboring at once, even though they're all in there in labor at some, at some at a stage of labor, like what, I don't know what they'd actually do if more than two women were actively laboring at the same time. Yeah. Because it's that person? really far to just go off to another hospital. It's not like being in well, Sydney or something. 
No, yeah. Well, you'd have the rooms in Sydney probably. Um, yeah. And there was three premature babies. That's the thing. There was three kids mm. born about a month early. So they weren't actually expecting that many all of us yeah. in there that many yeah. at that you know maybe there was four to be around that time but because me and two other women had premature babies mm. i'm like ah oh, we didn't expect this so yeah so you'd had really um, positive births at maria like three yeah yeah experiences oh, that absolutely. were great yeah. what took you to queenbian for your fourth birth um well um my partner Come baby three, I just said, he just said, I'm like I said, the coming and going is making the family life really unsettled. It's not mm-hmm. fair. You need to, you need to find another job closer to home. And where we were at, where we were in uh, Catalina. And at that stage, he was still used to having a, a nice paycheck. And he's like, no, I don't think I'm ready to have a lower wage and da, 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 da. And I was like, well, the only place we can move to is Canberra, really because Canberra is just over the mountain. So he stopped working in the mines and went into construction because he's a rigger. Mm-hmm. So he went and worked, he went and scored a, 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 um, a, a job with a crane company. And so we kind of packed up in that little bit of time. I think Tex would have been just a few months old. We just packed up and left and went to Queanbeyan. Yeah. Because that's where the work was. And so what did you um, find with the um, birthing facilities? Like, did you like aspects of them? Did you miss parts that were oh, Queen at Bia, Maria? Uh, Maria, was, Maria was great because the midwives knew me because I had all the boys there. And even though Tex was, and Tex was jaundiced, so I, had, I, got, I left the hospital. And because it was so busy, they missed him being jaundiced. Like, they missed all the signs and the testing and anyway... So then I had a really rough first night with Tex and Maria hospital calls me that same the next morning. They're like, listen, he's really jaundiced. You have to bring him in. And I was like, well, that makes sense why he was so feral last night. I thought, Oh my God, I'm going to have a really another challenging baby. And that's what they, they said. It's just what happens like sometimes with limited resources, like, so they've sent me home, but really they should have kept him in. They should have kept us in. And he went under the lights for a few nights for a few days. And then was discharged and will fine, you know. Um, but I suppose it was just busy. It was just a big moment. And then at Queanbeyan Hospital, they're really the same, like the same kind of laid back women. Hmm. Um, but or, like not as set in tradition though, I found. Yeah. More open to, um, I mean, what people might call alternative birthways, but maybe more. Uh, like, yeah, they were just really open to any type of birthing, you know, and they had the facility, they had lots of facilities for all the rooms were set up for water births. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, they had more birthing rooms. Um, so that was a bonus, especially for the birth that I had with Elvis, which is the one that I is seared into my mind. Yeah. Um, so what was yeah. that birth experience like with Elvis? Well, he his membranes ruptured 36 and a half weeks but up there they're like well we can leave you for five days without any induction we can give you five days I think by the third day I was like I am so over this I am done 
I'm sick of wearing nappies. These pads that you give me aren't even enough that like, I'm just over it. Let's, let's, let's do this. So I went in and they're like, cool. And they induced, I went in in the morning with my mum because Adrian does not like hospitals. And he's like, no, I prefer if you're going to be there all day, I don't want to be. And I said, yeah, that's cool. I respect that. Um, he just, he'd do my head in. He actually would have done my head in <laughs> if he had a pacing and the things that he does, you know, um, he's like a caged animal. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and so he, he, um, and then, so we made the decision, my mum was going to come in with me for the first bit. And then when it started to really take off, mm-hmm. they just, my mum would just go home and he would come mm-hmm. in. So my mum would go home and have the three boys. Um, and so, yeah, he, it was only a few hours. And I said to mum, I think you need to go get Adrian. So my mum shuffled off, went and got Adrian. Adrian came back. Um, and this time round the baby was sitting really high and the contractions came on really heavily, like, um, like really bad. Um, and they just, it just felt horrible. It felt really horrible and I felt really out of control. And at one contraction, it was like, I felt the baby drop down into my pelvis, like, but it felt like, but it felt like it just ripped my pelvic floor and all those muscles down with it. And I was like, Oh, this is disgusting. And I think by that stage I was probably hyperventilating and I'm looking at Adrian. I'm like, "I, I can't do this. This is fucked. This is horrible. I need an epidural. I can't handle this pain anymore. And I just remember having this one moment of clarity and I closed my eyes and I just was breathing. And I looked at Adrian and said, I think I'm going into shock because and then I'm going, I'm cold, I'm cold, but I felt hot and they put a blanket on me and I was like, what are you doing? I'm sweating. This blanket's horrible. And I looked at the midwife and I was like, please just run me a hot bath, run me a hot bath. I'm in shock. Like I feel cold. I can't, I feel frozen. Like I can't do anything because my body is so cold. I couldn't move. I felt weak. Um, and it was just all the signs of shock. Like all my heat went to my innards. And my Mm -hmm. extremities, like my face was, Adrian said, my face was so white. My lips were blue. My hands were shaking. And Adrian's like, that's so weird because she hates being wet and birthing. Like whenever they've offered hot showers and stuff, I've always like, I don't want to be wet. This is ridiculous. Who wants to be (laughs) wet? Like that's just another thing I have to do. I need to dry myself. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, So Adrian's like, this is so weird. And I just remember they're like, okay, can we just wait for the obstetrician to give you an examination? Because we don't want to put you in the bath because we have to take you off the syntocin. We want to make sure you've progressed further enough, like centimeters wise. And I was like, I don't care. Just do what you have to do. So in that time, I think I might've had three contractions. And I just remember hearing all the midwives coming in with buckets of hot water to fill the bath as fast as they can. Yeah. Um, and they were all really excited and giddy. They're like, oh my God, they haven't had a water birth there for ages. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty cool hearing them all come in. And then the obstetrician came in, gave me an examination and he was like, ah, she's, she's nine centimeters. Like pull that thing out. He just ripped, he pulled out the, the, the syntocin cord. He's like, get in Leah, go on. Like when you can just jump in there. And I was like, sweet. So I jumped in and it was just euphoric. I was like, 
oh my God, this is amazing. I looked at Adrian and I said, oh, I feel euphoric. This is amazing. I had four contractions that I barely even felt. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's got a photo of me actually. And I'm just, I had my eyes closed and I was still breathing. There was the, the oxygen thing wasn't even attached. I just had it in my hand. Like I, yeah. I must've taken it with me. Do you know what I mean? But there was nothing <laughs> with it <laughs> anyway. And I just have this photo of me just all lushed out in the bath. And I thought, wow, this is such, this is what my birth should be like. Like this is better. I just felt myself come back into my body mm. and I was like, oh, I'm calm. I regrouped. Yep. I was like, oh, oh, hey, Leah. having a baby type thing you know what I mean like I felt like I wasn't myself and I was like oh this is what we're meant to be doing you know Mm. and then I kind of got up slightly with a jolt and I was like oh I've just pushed the head out and the people were like (laughs) what what no you haven't and I was like yeah I, I think I've just pushed the head out and they were like really and they're like do you mind if we have a look so I just kind of rolled so they could see it yeah. and the lady in the midwife's like oh we have a head and then they said you know this is now you just have to be really calm and slow birthing into the water you don't want to scare the baby type whatever okay. they were saying I don't really remember yeah but all I remember them saying you know water birth is a bit different than out of water you just have to take yeah. it really nice and slow and controlled and while she was saying that I was just bringing the baby up through my legs up out of the bath Mm. and they're like oh wow wow did that and I'm like I have a baby and they're like (laughs) and then Adrian's (laughs) like you know and we did but this time around I I did delayed cord clamping Mm -hmm. and um I kind of I I didn't want to sit in the bath like once that was over I was like just ooh, get me out of here like not that it was gross I just felt like oh get me out of this water I don't want to be in here anymore I'm done yeah so I just, they just, they're like, well, can you just take a breath? You'll have low, sh-, like, just, you know. And I was like, no, nah, I just want to get out of the bath. <clears throat> yeah. So they're like, so they've, they've huddled around me and helped me hop out of the bath whilst I was holding the baby. And um, yeah, he was, it was a he. And um, yeah. And then I just got. And you I had a water birth. <laughs> and I had a water birth, a surprise water birth, something yeah. that I would never have opted for ever because I don't like being in birth and like Queen Bee and Hospital they use the baths therapeutically but they don't officially do water birth so amazing (laughs) you snuck in a water birth they say that they're like if it's happening you know oops (laughs) yeah I I was just like or maybe that's why the midwives were a little bit more excited yeah <laughs> you know what I mean because they're not yeah. normally doing that but yeah like I said when I was in that shock state I just demanded it I said I'm I'm not doing anything yeah. until you get me in that bath like I need to be yeah. warm like shit's gonna go really badly if I don't get warm like that's yeah. all I was thinking and so um yeah I did that and that was probably my first because I suppose I'd only just started to doing, I, for, yeah, I was in the process of doing a lot of like self-discovery, I suppose, in that pregnancy. Yeah. And that birth was probably my most aware and conscious because previous, just before he was, two weeks before he was born, I had a dream that I had a baby boy 
he had black hair and I called him Elvis. And the funny thing is that all my boys are born bald or red. Wow. So everyone was like, when I told my mum and Adrian, they're like, oh, what a silly dream. Like you don't have, we don't, we don't have, they've been bald or red because I have a red head mm. and the other two are, the other two were blonde. And I was like, I don't know. I've just had this dream. And then it was, that was another like really big revelation when I pulled him up through the bath and I saw he had a head full of jet black hair mm. and it was a boy. And I was like, holy crap. Like I dreamt, I dreamt you three weeks ago. That is so bizarre. Yeah. Um, and, and that's just, I suppose, another thing that I think has triggered the more conscious connected birth this time so around. Cause I just, yeah. yeah, I felt like, Oh wow. That is really, really, really bizarre. Um, and my postpartum care in Queen BM was good too. Like it was, it was lovely. But by that stage, by fourth baby, you kind of, and again, another lovely textbook baby mm. that, I mean, kept was unsettled and, and things here and there, but really, um, A, I was so used to being sleep deprived and, and B, it was like a little dream baby too. Yeah. So I didn't, I only stayed at Queen Bian, um, for a few days because, and that by that stage, I was like, I just want to get home. Um, and I only really stayed that long this time because I had really bad afterbirth pains to the point where it take my breath away. Like I was like, <gasps> like that's how wow. like they'd come on so suddenly. Um, and I wanted the S8 drugs, <laughs> mm. um, which I didn't have at home. So um, I wanted them to be able to feed because every time I fed, he just, he would bring on these horrible afterbirth pains and I, yeah, it was, it was not um, very comfortable at all. So I stayed for that reason as well. So having given birth four times, it's really informed as well your choice now for your fifth birth. Yeah. And I guess that's probably really influential over this kind of final question, but what is your like hot take or takeaway or advice for any rural women, woman who's birthing? Oh, wow. Um, that's, I could yarn on for hours about this. The nest seems Um, like a hot tip for the women on the South Coast to connect to. The nest would be, but also it's a massive privilege to be able to afford to pay for a private midwife because it's, it's a substantial amount of money. Um, it's costing us almost $5,000 to have a home birth. Um, and I am aware that not everybody is in that position that they can afford that. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing why I feel so privileged to be able to have a private midwife because it, yeah, it's really quite a, an honor to be able to have that. But for me, maybe perhaps use your free resources. Like there's so many women out there, um, doulas and birth support and private midwives that give up so much information online for free just because I have such a massive passion and I suppose that's where a lot of my informed information like it's not necessarily coming from the nest um but for me I suppose um I've just done a lot of like deeper inner work within myself Mm. to like 
to really connect with that kind of that primal woman within me. But I've done that through reading other, reading and researching other, other women's experiences or, or like getting the information from birth advocates of what you can and cannot do or all the things that you can object to, all the things that you can demand, all the things that you can ask for. And I suppose... And like you can do one-on-ones or group sessions online with some of those doulas as well. Yeah, yeah, be a lot yeah cheaper, absolutely. Um, just to have yeah. that little bit of time for someone to give you a kickoff. Um, yeah, and you worked with right. Rip Snorter. Yeah, Amy. Yeah, I'm yeah. still, I have a weekly appointment with her every week. Mm. Um, another privilege, I, I understand not everybody can afford it. Um, but for me, for this next phase of my life, I felt like it was really, really um, important. And the amount of money that I'm investing in this pregnancy and birth, I'll get back. Like I'm calling it, an I say an investment because I don't like to say spending because spending seems frivolous and unthoughtful, you know? So I'm like, I've reframed my mindset around it. So I'm investing, Mm. which means that you're always going to get more back when you invest in something more generally. So for me, I'm using it as an investment and with all these women um, to help me be more informed and to be more aware. A lot of women talk about, you know, when they're having, not a lot, women speak about, they can communicate with the baby that, you know, having communications on some level with the baby um, if they're consciously aware of doing it. But what people don't take note of is and tune into is what is your baby telling you? What is your baby trying to communicate with you? So it's that reciprocal relationship of baby wanting something or needing something from you, but also you then talking back to baby because yeah. we had this conversation about how I said to her, oh, I feel like I'm going to end up free birthing as opposed to a home birth. And she got really excited. And then she posed me the question is, what is it that you want? And what is that? What is the baby want? She's like, you may want this home birth with your people around you, but perhaps baby doesn't want that. Mm. And maybe that's why you're getting the twisted info of like, all, all the extra info, that extra download of, I think that I think I need to free birth this baby, but is that you yeah. or is that the baby? And that's how that um, that conversation of being in tuned with what is the baby telling you, what is. So I think that's another thing that women should probably take into um, birthing, that that communication with you and your baby, but also your baby with you. Yeah. Um, what Amy has spoken about in depth is that so much in birth women are told to calm down they're told to settle they're told to do all these things especially Mm. in that transitional period when you get that but the thing is biologically what's happening is you're getting a massive shot of adrenaline and if women are taught to embrace that adrenaline embrace that transition and not to shush it you'll have it like that's when fetal projection happens yeah. That's, that's when your baby will birth itself without any, um, without any really assistance from you. It'll just kind of do what it's meant to do. But because um, when you have a hospital birth, when you're in that transition, everybody around you is trying to tell you to calm down, settle down, calm down, breathe, stop yelling, stop shouting, stop doing this, which she, she was saying, it's just, not, it's just not biologically what we're meant to do. 
like yeah. in those moments, it's when you should be really becoming in tune with that adrenaline and that transition and um, allowing your body to go through those motions without the resistance. Yeah. And I suppose that's one of the biggest things that, because that's the only time I ever get all flustered and off my face. Like it's when I'm in that transitional period. So that work with her and those words with her, it makes me realize, oh shit, actually that's when you need to harness that, that primal thing within you mm. and just allow that adrenaline to be. That's what her big, her big thing is. Yeah. Um, well, that's a really some useful of the message and takeaway, yeah, particularly like, about like putting an investment into yourself. Because I think yeah, how at the beginning, uh, before this interview, we spoke a little bit about stoicism and putting stuff away. Yeah. And being like, I'm all right. Yeah. I got this. It's yeah. like, well, sometimes yeah. you can have it. You absolutely can. But you can still take a little time to pause and give back to you. And yeah, absolutely. The whole consciousness. Yeah, absolutely. I would absolutely recommend if you're giving birth, whether rurally or not, to really make a conscious effort to be in tuned and to have an intentional birth and an intentional pregnancy. Like you're not a factory, you're not a baby maker. You're like uh, a woman living a human experience with one of the biggest biggest rites of passage a woman has I, you know i know the modern world doesn't support that and women can have babies they can choose not to have babies it doesn't really matter but um primarily for me this is for me personally that that connected conscious intentional birth is going to be my biggest rite of passage into what i find an empower womanhood to Leah for her upcoming home birth and thank you to her again for sharing her rural birth stories from the coast of New South Wales. If you would like to share your rural birth story please get in touch on Instagram at rural underscore births or via email ruralbirths at gmail.com and again thank you for listening.